So welcome everybody to another episode of Float, Float Your Boat. Oh, sit down, Brett. Seriously. <laughs> well, the mic's up way up. I'm only a short fellow. <laughs> can you? Can, maybe I should get down on my knees so we're at an equal height. Listeners, it's not what you think. <laughs> you, you have such a mind. It's straight into the gutter. It, it is, it is. You, you, God knows where you grew up. Well, while you're down there, folks. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> okay. So let me get on with the with the uh, the introduction here, shall I? Okay. 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 So, seriously now, folks. Seriously, folks. So, <clears throat> so today we have a wonderful lady, Dulce Undergrove. <laughs> I thought you said you were going to be serious. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. That's that's such a Dutch Dutch sounding name. I I, Tulsi. Lo I, I love it. Tulsi. Her, her name her name is Tulsi Vandergraaf. So Tulsi I, I hope she doesn't mind me making uh, that joke about her name. But um, she's truly a child of the uh, of the seventies. A bit of a bit of a hippie hipster today. I think her parents were hippies, right? They were indeed. Yeah, she was born to hippie parents, and uh, you wouldn't know. But by the time she was eighteen, she actually moved moved nine different schools. Right, she was all over the place like a mad person. Like a mad woman's breakfast. You shouldn't say that. Oh. <laughs> that's not very Oops. good. That's what my mother used to say. Oh, she, or she, mad as a cut snake. She moved 25 different times. 25 you know? yes. different yeah, times? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she made a choice to overcome. Are you sure she wasn't a bank robber or something? <laughs> she was on the run. Her parents were on she the run. She was on the run. <laughs> anyway. Seriously, <laughs> folks. <laughs> Cut it out. Okay, yeah, sorry. <laughs> oh, so uh, Tulsi, Tulsi is the founder of Lead Your Own Change. Now, she works with individuals, teams, and organizations, supporting them to create personal and cultural change, enhance relationships and communication, manage change and uncertainty. And <laughs> <laughs> so naturally spoken, George. Doesn't sound like you're reading off a cue card at all. Not at all, oh, Brett. Brett. <laughs> Mongrel chat. <laughs> Takes me back to our commercial days, George. Oh, well, I'll tell you what. She's a perfect candidate for teaching people how to handle change. Well, hopefully she can teach us how to change so we don't... Let's get her in here. Yeah. Oh, God. Hi. Is that it? Yes, is that the draw? Okay, oh, okay. God. We better go, to the Float Your Boat podcast about how everyday people created their road to success. The highs, the lows, pitfalls and potholes and how they overcame it all. And now, here are your hosts. So welcome to our show, Tulsi. Thank welcome. you. Yeah, you're looking, you're looking fabulous today. Very happy. Thanks, George. That's all right. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna draw you out of your shell today, okay? Because okay? I know that that's not where you want to be. You want to be inside that shell, yeah? So no. You have to fight with that all day. Really? Okay. No. Voice. I've no. Got, no. I've got a question for you. Yes, please. You, 
Tell us about how you won the modelling competition. Oh, I love yeah. it. You guys are awesome. It's so great. Uh, one thing you didn't put on your on your profile. Yeah, the thing that I don't talk about is the first question, but that's all right because George had already preempted it, so I'm prepared. I did, did you already <laughs> let the oh, okay, I so, sailed her outside. All right, so the story is that I was 14. I was a very tall, skinny girl, and I was very shy, like very, very shy. Right. And there was a modelling competition advertised at the local shopping centre. Which was? Where? I think it was in Brisbane. Yep. I think it was called the Great Model Search or something like that. And I thought, okay, maybe I should do that and that will help me with my confidence. Yep. So I entered it and went through these all the rounds, and in the end there were 600 girls and I won it. And I can see why, oh, thank I must you. say. <laughs> thank you. Because your photos don't do you justice. Oh, the ones really? that you sent me were... You're gorgeous lady. Ah, oh, thank you. Woman. Oh, uh, ditto. Ditto. What, we don't need to. We don't need to go there. No, but it's true. Yeah. So, and I know, and I know there's a there's a degree of there was a degree of uncomfortability around that. Yes. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So look, it's it's Come on, yeah. Can, no, can no. Okay. All right. So. For me, I think that there's a little bit, there's a real discomfort about talking about the fact that I did modelling. And I didn't do it for a heap of time. I did it when I was like 14 or 15, Mm. Mm. when I was in Brisbane. Then I moved to Sydney and I also did it after I finished school. Just, it was kind of because I felt like it was, I I should give it a go because it was an opportunity. But but I think because I grew up with very spiritual parents and very connected to, you know, the the soul and, mm. and uh, you know, making a difference and that kind of thing, I always had a very uncomfortable feeling about being in that industry and being just everything was focused on the looks. So even though I did it, I never felt that I was meant to be there and I, and I felt very uncomfortable about the whole thing. Right. So right. I tend to not talk about it. Yes. I mean, gene- we're, we're given what we're given genetically, right? So it's not really something that we created on our own. And so we can't actually brag about that in to a large part, you know, like some people do. They well, you certainly can't. Oh, <laughs> thanks very much. Sorry, very much. <laughs> a little bit of comedy, really. Oh, I can't. I well, that can't question make. was getting really deep. No, 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 no. But it's you know, it's you your met, fault. You asked you know, the question. You know how you meet. You know how you meet. Uh, you occasionally meet uh, really good-looking people, and they 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 have this arrogance about them, and they're you know I'm better than you because I look so good and cool yeah. and here. You're talking about the eastern suburbs. The generally. bubble. The bubble. <laughs> the bubble. The bubble. We yeah, call it the, the eastern suburbs. Oh, right. bubble. Yeah, I don't tend to meet people like that too much myself. No, but you know the. Yeah. I mean, sadly, they were just gifted genetically with something that they had no control over, and you know that that's where they were. Yeah. You know. Okay. Let me just did stop there. Think, I'm going to read Tulsi's no, bio. I'm, I'm going to start with that. Okay. So, I'm, to... <laughs> so, so I'm going to I'm going to hit you with a few uh, uh, like a synopsis of your bio, really short. I'm going to hippie parents. Tell yes. me about them. Yeah. Okay. Hippie parents. Uh, you wouldn't know it now because my mother looks like she's from the um, set of Bold and the Beautiful now. She's very glamorous. <laughs> she has the Titanic hairstyle. Oh, no, actually, no. She's just very beautiful and glamorous and blonde and wow. loves leopard print. And, wow. You know, Does but... she live on the Gold Coast? No, no. It sounds like she could, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, both my parents live here. but oh, So good. I grew up in a very alternative kind of uh, yeah experience and for a lot of my childhood I was in Brisbane so it was pretty conservative then mm. and I really did stand out because you know my parents had like 
chanting and meditation evenings on a Friday night. They would echo, echo through the they suburbs. Of, Krishnas, were they? Well, that's what people asked me, but no, they weren't. But, you know, they did have a guru and we had, you know, photos of Indian men in loincloths on the, on the walls. And my biggest aspiration when I was about 11 was for us to own a lounge suite. Because really? you sat on the floor. We had a mattress so money with the. Well, I don't think it was money. It was just you know they liked mattresses and Indian bedspreads and pillows right. and the Indian way of life. Yeah, and so you know at a time when yoga and meditation and being a vegetarian was kind of kooky uh, what, in what, Brisbane. That's what I was doing. Roughly what era was it? what. Years so well, I'm 46 now. So, so it would have been the 80s. I guess so. So yeah. I'm just trying 80 around 82, yeah. something like that. But so yeah, when I so when I was one, my parents were taking me around Tasmania in a combi van and living on a remote community. And when I was three, they were Australian volunteers abroad uh, teaching in New Guinea. And wow. uh, then when I was 12, they had managed to get have a, a mortgage by that stage and they sold the house and used the money to go travelling. So we went backpacking in India for three months and then <laughs> caravanning around Europe. Wow. wow. Did you love it? I did, yeah. I, I mean, look, I think, you know, I was a teenager then, so I think, you know, obviously there would have been moments. Well, so my mum was telling me. Uh, <laughs> I don't really remember those. But, I mean, I did have a, a, quite a significant experience happen to me in India because I was nearly killed by a dog. So that was quite uh, a what, big What, you thing. mean bitten by a dog and then got poisoned, like uh, an infection or...? Oh, basically a <laughs> uh, very large dog. Uh, took me in its jaws um, with my in the the jugular, like the, on my neck, wow. and um, my dad uh, saved me. So, and, uh, so what had to be done in order to save you? What did he have to do he to the dog? Kicked the, he, well, he kicked the dog off. That, uh, it was funny because the dog was actually, um, you know, like a, a kind of like a pet guard dog kind of thing. But I was feeling so sad about all the mistreatment of animals in India that I was kind of just like ran to this dog and started playing with it and right. it, didn't, it and got confused just... and attacked me, yeah. Because usually um, uh, I, go, I go to India a lot and usually they're half-starved, half-crazed beasts. That's right, yeah. 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 People yeah. just don't give them any any um, uh, any attention whatsoever. Yeah. I think that's why I was so desperate when I, uh, when I saw that dog and it was a, a beautiful big dog, <laughs> I was kind of like went to grab it and give it a cuddle and mm. because I did feel so devastated yeah. by all the other ones. And, so, uh, yeah, so that was quite a significant So thing. are you frightened of dogs now? Oh, look, I was afterwards. When I'd mm. hear the noise of dogs, I would be like, oh, you know, what's yeah. going on? But I've I've kind of, I'm, I'm good now, I think, yeah. So Thank God for that. Oh, no. They've, I mean, look, this is a kind of, I guess, an interesting aside. My parents, um, being the alternative people they were, they went to an astrologer when I was young and the astrologer did this reading for me and said that I would be assaulted before my 13th birthday, but I would be okay because my dad would be there to save me. Oh, wow. And that was five days before my 13th birthday. And, and what else did he say about your longer future, long-term future? I did don't know. Did he say that you would end up being in this studio today, you know, being interviewed by us? I mean, yeah. along those lines, did he tell you your future? He mentioned a George and a Brett, definitely. He did? Yeah. Well, fantastic. Well, I, and I can understand why, can't you, George? <laughs> I can indeed. Nine schools moved 25 times. Mm. Right. Mm. Tell us about that. Wow. I've, How did uh, you feel, nine schools? Yeah, well, I think it was in one year there were three schools and I ended up, <laughs> I ended up, uh, my mum, I don't know if it was the second or third school in the year, but my mum decided she wasn't going to stick me in another school, so we ended up hanging out at the, the local Paradise Gardens and 
hanging but, swimming and so, in the sun for a bit for a couple of months. But sounded nice. Did yeah. that interrupt nice. your studies in any way, or you just kind of felt that it was fluid? You didn't mind. It just picked it. Up, you picked up where you left off at the next school, yeah? Yeah. Like I think I think overall it was okay. Like I th- I think my parents were such a solid. Kind of, they gave me that feeling of of security. So, I mean, I know it was hard different times, and I know that awful feeling of kind of, you know, you know, I don't know if you ever have that, but that arriving at a party late and everyone's already kind of sorted. And they all know each other. Yeah, and, and I think, it. yeah, and I think I felt like that when I'd arrive at new schools and you know halfway through yeah. the year or at the beginning of the year, and everyone knew each other from from kindy. But I was also, I don't really recall it having a major impact, but. I guess that might have been one of the reasons why I was, you know, so shy earlier on as well, maybe, you know, lacking in confidence. Right, yeah. right. I mean, I would I would expect the opposite. I would expect that you you would become quite outgoing and wanting to meet people because you're so used to chopping and changing mm. and, and moving from one environment to another that you couldn't help not be outgoing. Uh, yeah. That's what I would have thought. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, that's a hard. I would have thought the other. I would have really? thought, yeah, because you 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 feel a little bit displaced often, and like you were saying, it's like going to a party where everybody knows everybody, and you you only know one person in the room. Mm. I mean, like your birthday last weekend, I knew a few people, but mm. I didn't know many people. So it does feel a bit. You feel like you're placed into this situation where there's people you don't know, and there's there's all this history. Yeah. So I, I, I guess I, so. You know, it, it could it could go either way, really, couldn't mm. it? You, it could. You know, um, but you you don't strike me even now as a person that comes in the room and shows off. I, <laughs> I have my well, I have well I have my moments. You know, of, I, I'm I'm known to enjoy a bit of a party. Uh, as well. But I I do have to say something about that, though, because I did make a decision at some point that I wasn't going to be that unconfident person anymore. Mm. When was that? So that was after I was travelling for a year. So I missed a whole year of school when I was 12, 13, and I arrived back and just went into the next year, which was, I guess you you could do that back in that day. Mm. But I remember, I think, I don't know if it was to do with, you know, nearly dying or from the dog or just the experiences. But I, I remember I have this distinct recollection of walking back into this, walking into this high school and thinking I'm not going to be that shy person anymore and, you know, walking in, giving everyone eye contact, having, you know, walking straight and, and you know, even giving eye contact to the boys, which I never would have done in the past. And I was right. like, this is, this, is a, this, is a new, this is a new life for me and I'm going to do it differently. And I did. And that was just... Just, I mean, it was well. It wasn't easy after that, but you just made a decision that every mm. time you come into contact with people, that's what you would do, and it became easier over time, right? Yeah, I got used yeah. to that, and I, you know, I think in some ways, I look back on those experiences, and I, I, I appreciate them because it's given me compassion for how it is for people who struggle, you know, interacting with other people, mm-hmm. and who feel, you know, unconfident. But it's also shown me that you know. It is possible to create an intention and, and change in some ways, which is the sort of work that I do, which I love. Well, we'll get on to the kind of work that mm. you do and, and, and did in the recent past. But, you know, with all the all this chopping and changing all over the place, mm. you still managed to end up with a law degree. I know. How the hell did that happen? Seriously. Go God figure. knows. I have no idea. Did you, did you buy it off the back of a cornflakes packet? Or maybe. Something? Maybe. What, no, what happened? <laughs> Tell me. Uh, Tell me. Okay, so... 
I don't. How did you manage that? Well, I think it was it, it was a like a process. So I did okay after school, and I did uh, a, a degree majoring in psychology. And no, that too. That too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I did that, and initially I didn't really understand what it was to study. But then I had a boyfriend who worked really hard, so I was kind of watching him at a desk, like focusing. I was like, God, oh, that's interesting. Is that what you're supposed to do when you're at university? And uh, what I remember, I know. Well, me neither. I was like, barely getting through. Especially if I had a girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I didn't. I didn't get it either. And then suddenly, I sort of changed the way I looked at things, and I started working harder, and I started getting really good marks. So by the end of my first degree, I had really good marks, and I was also doing a lot of volunteer work for kind of social justice community organisations and so I, I applied for and law. how did that happen? How did that? The, how did you drift uh, off into that area? Uh, as in, how did I decide well, I wanted well, to do yes. law? No, 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 the, no, the, mm. the justice area, okay. social, justice, yeah. social justice. I mean, there must have been someone you had a conversation with or you, know, you came across the organisation somehow. Yeah. You know, from as long as I can remember, I always felt like I wanted to make a difference and I was going to do something to contribute to this world in some way, even from very young. I mean, it's funny because my auntie uh, recently, who's li- who lives on the Gold Coast, said to me, she said, I remember you coming to me, I think I think I might have been about 13 or something, and saying, you know, you really can, you know, you can come up with a list of what you want for your life and you can make it happen. And I don't remember that, but I, I do remember always having these lists of things that I wanted to create for my life. And part of it was always making a difference. So mm. when I did my psychology degree, I also volunteered for Lifeline and I did crisis counselling. I was actually, I was only 18 or 19. Wow. And, uh, yeah, I was uh, on the wow. phone doing crisis counselling. So you were and... dealing with people who had some serious issues, potentially, what, suicidal? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And you were 18? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, 18 and 19. But... I did that for a couple of years. And I just felt like I had... I mean, it's interesting because the like we'd have supervisors and, and the feedback I got was that I just had this ability to connect with people and help them kind so of navigate this sort of process of whatever it was. Do you think was. that was born out of your family being the way they were with the spiritual side of life? Mm. Do you think that, the, you, know, you know, on some level it was seeping through to your soul as well to set you in that direction. Mm. Yeah, look, I think so. And both my parents also were counsellors. and oh, were they? Yeah. So they were also um, doing uh, crisis counselling at Lifeline. And, you know, they would sit me down and, and, you know, they would challenge me if I was, if something, well, if I wasn't doing something, you know, doing what you do as a, a kid, they would sit down and say, hey, let's discuss this. And, you know, I was, I from, I guess from uh, when I was born and could start talking, the way they talked about things was a very high level of communication. And, so there was you know, no yelling and screaming in No, words. never yelling and screaming, right. talking about, you know, we feel, you know, feel a bit sad about what just happened there. What's going on for you? Wow. <laughs> you know, from very young. So, well, I wish I had your parents. <laughs> uh, no, well, I'm so grateful for them because I, we are so close. We're like this because I'm an only child yeah. and so we're like this little triangle and, you know, I just we have a very deep, honest fun relationship that often involves champagne as well <laughs> uh, and and we celebrate and we we just uh, we have yeah I can't even express how amazing it is but growing up with that so I, I think um, 
from very young as well, I'd have friends coming to me and talking to me about their challenges and issues and I would help them through things. And I think I, that's the gift my parents gave me. So, so you, mm. you see, so you also had you also had a bent towards social justice. You Always. wanted to see you wanted to see justice in this world. Yes. Um, and what kind of things did you uh, did you uh, tackle when you were at university? Ah, uh, gosh, I have to think about that. So, I mean, when I was at uni- I mean, I when I did law, I th- I didn't do law to become a, a lawyer. I did it to to make a difference and to get involved in social justice. So, yep. I mean, on the side, I was doing volunteer work for like the Asylum Seekers Centre, Amnesty International, Women's Legal Resources Centre, um, community legal centres, and I had done the Lifeline thing. So I was busy with that, and then all the subjects that I focused on were to do with you know children and the law, family law. Uh, psychology was, you know, all, all the kind of social sort of stuff. And, uh, yeah, and it, everything was focused on me getting to a place where I could make a difference. But the funny thing was there's a, 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 a you can go through this clerkship program, which is where you can go to law firms and, and apply, have a job before mm. you finish uni. And I got offered a job in, in a really big law firm and suddenly was uh-huh. working there part-time and then was faced with the choice of we've just offered you a job that can take you along this path of being a very well-paid, successful lawyer or do you want to do that social justice side of things? And now, a word from our sponsors. This is about the 400th take, listeners. <laughs> this is our, this is our um, for a male sponsor, Mungrel Joes. Yes, Mungrel Joes. So, hey, Brett, what keeps you going? I'm not sure what you're implying. I don't like where your mind's going with this one, Brett, but uh, without getting personal, there are many times I need a hit, and not from a bus. What keeps me going is a steaming hot cup of coffee, and not just any coffee. Ah, you must be talking about Mungle Joe's. Yeah, our proud sponsor. Yes, that deep, rich, tasty and fulfilling coffee that perks you up, puts lead in your pencil, makes you glisten, and puts hairs on your chest. But what does it do for men? Boom, boom. It brings out the mongrel in you. <laughs> God, seriously, folks. Seriously, folks. Mongrel <laughs> That's Joe's. my line. No, That's no, your no, line. No. <laughs> mongrel Joe's is the best taste experience ever. It's 100% Australian. And not only is it a performance coffee, it's strong and smooth. Like me, of course, George. <laughs> it's the greatest coffee on earth. The world's greatest coffee. Is it really? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Jump online at mongreljoes.com.au and give it a shot. Excuse the pun. No, no, no. You didn't have to say that. Well, it's you printed it on the page. You're George. on. You're on fire, Brent. I am on. We fire. could have scratched that out. And just for our listeners to put put it put in a discount code. Float your boat and you'll get a special discount on your first order. Remember that it's float your boat, one word. If you love coffee, you should try Mungle Joe's. I'm telling you folks, aside from this great script that George wrote. <laughs> and it was so obvious you were reading it. <laughs> yes, George, it was. <laughs> anyway, listeners, Mungle Joe's, it's, it's the best.
came up with a bit of a formula for myself when I, when I was dealing with all those awful cases with child protection. And because I was seen to have, you know, particular sensitivity dealing with uh, vulnerable people and mm. victims, I would get some of the worst cases at times. And I would have this formula where I was I, I could either do a lot of cases that weren't too serious or I could do a smaller number that were serious. But when I was combined the pressure and and the subject matter together, I was I would feel like I was on the edge of falling apart. Right. But what I would do different times is, you know, I'd get a case and the subject matter was so awful I knew that I needed to give myself three days before I would feel normal again. So I would initially I'd be in shock at reading it and seeing what I had to deal with, and then I'd be like, okay, this is you know day one, this is this is normal, this is what is part of this process of coming to terms with the awful things that have just happened to this person, and then I you know and I would talk to close people, and my parents have always been you know my amazing support. And I would also, I, I guess, look, I grew up with with meditation and, and sort of trying to be sort of self-aware and, and be conscious of, of those emotions and what was happening. So I would sort of just try and acknowledge and accept what I was going through and know that, you know, after the third day, I'd be able to kind of take a little bit of a step back from the case and be able to manage it more. But I think the thing that really kept me doing it was I knew that when I spoke to the victims or people who were part of the process, parents or whoever, that I was really making a difference to the way they felt, yeah, I was and I was say, supporting them. Payoff, isn't there? Absolutely. If you, if you um, undertake the case correctly, mm. and um, there could be a good outcome, or well, as good as it can be. Well, so there some is a resolution. At some point. Yeah. Yeah. Was it? Was it a? Um, from your observation, was it a healing process for most of those people? Oh, I. You or know, were they left with a lot of anger oh. still and unresolved? Yeah. Issues. Well, every case would be different, I take it. Yes. Each, case, each person's an individual, aren't they? Yeah. So. I do know that different times when I would <clears throat> interact with people and I give them a lot of support and empathy and just show that I cared, that was very healing and for them, which was, for me, that, that meant a lot to me that I could give that kind of mm. support. Mm. You know, I had to be neutral, but you can still be, you know, empathic and, and acknowledge how people you know, a feeling and how incredibly difficult it must be. So I think, I, you know, it's, it's always been just kind of connecting from my heart and giving that sort of compassion and support and feeling like, well, I think ultimately when we are struggling, the thing you want the most is for other people just to, to be supportive and give you that kind of feeling of compassion. Mm, mm. So I, in answer to your, your question, I think for some people um, a resolution to you know, an investigation can be allow them to get closure. Other times I don't think it it's it's much harder and, you know, we hear all the stuff around, you know, the Royal Commission and I, I still do child protection training and, you know, I think there are a lot of adult victims out there who have not uh, healed uh, fully at all because it is something that goes so deep and uh, it's a really challenging thing. I feel it's very sad just to hear what people have gone through, yeah. Tell us a little bit about how you transitioned from from the legal work that you were doing into making a difference. Well, so I had two kitties and uh, when I had my second child, I realised I couldn't juggle the work and having babies as, as they were growing and I decided that I 
had to leave my child protection work and I think just being a mum and having kids and focusing on child protection, it's, it's quite challenging. Uh, you know, just I think being a mum opened up my heart even more, I guess, uh, yeah. as well. But then I, I fell into running workshops and uh, I think because of, you know, my law degree as well, someone contacted me and said, look, could you run some workshops on, you know, legal issues for managers and not-for-profit <laughs> sector? And I was like, sure, I'll do that. And... But what was great is that I uh, I did it and uh, it was just came naturally to me. So I started from just doing one workshop, I started getting asked to do other ones. And so I was just, you know, running workshops on things around, you know, communication, conflict resolution, anything that came my way. But it's only, so that's been for about seven years that I was doing that and, you know, a bit of coaching, all different things. But I could really feel that what made my heart sing was when I was really helping people move on from something that was holding them back from living their best life. Mm. And then uh, about two years ago, I started doing, um, me, the big volunteer, I started doing Mm. volunteer work for Dress for Success, which is an organisation that supports women find employment. And I started running workshops like Trusting in Your Ability, Finding Your Vision. I started running coaching training for professional women to coach the, the clients. And oh, I was just like, oh, my gosh, my this is making my heart sing. This is like exactly where I want to be. Right. So, Fantastic. yeah, it was so exciting. And I still, even now, just like, I, so I do this quite regularly. And, you know, there's just, it's such a beautiful environment because the the women are just so appreciative because they're struggling and they're trying to find their way forward and and get a job you know so and, and these are women of all different backgrounds right? absolutely you know, from the unprofessional to the professional yes. who for one reason or another fell out of the workforce yeah and and you just help them try to regain their confidence and their direction is that right yeah that's right so there could there can be women of all ages uh, uh women uh, potentially who are you know are from uh refugees women who might have even been um in jail mm-hmm. uh women who have just had a, a terrible marriage breakup but have no sort of way of getting to the workforce straight away people who have had um, mental health issues and and a lot of women who just struggle hugely with a lack of confidence. And so I love doing that. So uh, so I, once I started working at Dress for Success, I, I actually thought to myself, you know what, this is what I want to do and I want to create space for expanding this bit and shutting down some of the other things. So I was work. I also am a facilitator for the Australian Institute of Management and I do you know workshops for different organisations. But I was doing some legal stuff um, at the Australian Institute of Management, uh, I think it was even last year, and I spoke to my mum and I said, you know what, I want to stop it all. I just want to do the stuff that makes my heart sing. What do you reckon? She's like, yeah, do it. (laughs) (laughs) And And bring the champagne. I know, exactly. (laughs) The champagne was probably there at the time. And I went, ooh, 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 ooh. It's like 14 workshops to say I don't want to do 14 workshops plus other ones that they were offering me around legal issues was quite a significant thing as a consultant. And I did it. And it was like I felt free and I thought, yes, you know, like I'm on the right path. And I know that I've always known from very young, just from feedback from friends and family, that I've got something to really offer people who kind of need to work stuff out in their life or sort out a problem. I love kind of taking a step back and problem solving things. So, and so that's sort of kind of the in a, in a bit of a long-winded yeah. uh, summary of how I got there. So we met you, well, George in particular met you at 100 Mums event. Yes. 
so is there a connection there with 100 mums and what you do are you working with jj for, only i'm only mentioning this is because we've had jj on the on yes i know the pod and um, i listened to it It was fantastic i loved it yeah it's one of the more <laughs> one of the most popular up you're probably and you're probably wondering why on earth i was invited to a 100 mums event being a because they needed, a a, they needed a guy in a penguin suit <laughs> to stand up the back and look like he was out of place, right? I think so. <laughs> but So is there a connection uh, with 100 Mums and yeah. your organisation that, that work, you work together with JJ? Is that... Well, friends, yeah. But. Well, it, it's funny because uh, sort of getting back to, I think, I don't know whether we talked about it on air or off air, but uh, I've one of the things that I struggled with sort of growing up Particularly, I guess when you know you mentioned the modelling thing, I, I think I got sort of. This is a very long-winded answer to this question, that's fine, that's but anyway, um, I, I was. Oh, like long-winded. Oh, good, good. I'm glad. Uh, I was picked on by different girls, particularly when I did the modelling. So I internalised this thing of not standing out, which, as uh, people often say, it's really funny that I say that because I'm six foot tall. I love wearing heels, and it's very hard for people to not stand out in that way but I had these 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 messages and uh, I know that that's a, a message that I've had to kind of work with and let go of because I mean here I am you know I, I facilitate events I'm running workshops yeah. it's exactly what I do kind of you know out in the front which I love and I know I'm meant to do it mm. but I was talking to a friend and she basically said to me you know what get out there, you've got it, you need to contact people and tell them that you want to do things because people need to know you so that you continue on this path that you're doing. That day I got an invitation from Janine to the first uh, 100 Mums event and I had met her at a workshop and I sent her a message saying, because my friend, I keep saying the the fire up my bum kind of thing, said do this. So I sent her a message saying... If you ever need a speaker or someone, here I am. And she said, okay, you're the lead facilitator. And I went, okay, done. And that's how I ended up uh, joining that. And that's JJ all over, isn't it? She's Mm. just like, let's do it. Yeah. And and in fact, uh, JJ or Janine and I didn't really know each other that well, but we've been, we've kind of been, I I would say I'm kind of the ring in, but suddenly I'm, you know, a big part of that, those events and I I love it. And, uh, you know, she's really happy to have me kind of, you know, helping with that. So. No, I think it's a fantastic mm. connection. You know, once again, there's no such thing as coincidence in going back to your parents that they would say the same thing mm, you know yeah. it's, it's sometimes yeah. things are just meant to be aren't the they? universe transpired to get you here what's that yes. what's that old joke um how do you make god laugh you tell him your plans <laughs> i love so, that so that is so meant great be, you know? meant to be but yeah. you know Tulsi, Tul- um you're you're okay so you're a consultant mm-hmm. but do you trade under a a trading name, or do yeah. you, you yes, but a dress for success is not your name. No, that's no, that's, that's a, a charity organisation. That's yeah. right. So you work with a number of organisations, but yeah. as sorry, lead I'm, your own change. That's right. Funnily and, enough, and is there a change. website for that while yeah. we're plugging you? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. is it well, leadyourchange.com.au? It's leadyourownchange.com. 
There's a well, funny story about that, me. actually. And it, and <laughs> Talking about meant to be. I'm well, surprised you've got to tell us. I know. You, you will tell us. Yeah. Uh, but, but yes, tell us anyway. Oh, okay. No, it's funny because one day, so about a year and a half ago, or I think maybe just over a year ago, I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm working as part of an HR consultancy. I need to have a name that, that really reflects what it is I'm doing because I'm creating space to just focus on the stuff that I know that I can contribute to the world. So I was like, okay, and I got on the computer and I'm like, I've got to look up names, got to look up names. I wanted .com. And there was nothing, you know. Yeah, like how many people are there in the world? Yeah. I don't know. I never know the number. but About 7 know. billion. Okay, so 7 billion, billion people, yeah. everyone has thought of every name. And even if they're not using it, they've bought it, so you have to spend thousands of dollars yeah, to get it. Right. Yeah. And then suddenly I was thinking, gosh, I've been going to all these leadership events and, you know, people leading each other, every, you know, everywhere. And I thought... We should just be leading ourselves, you know. This is ridiculous. We've got to lead our own change. And I thought, oh, leadyourownchange.com. I was like, and it was available and it was five ninety nine. Yeah. Five <laughs> And I was like, woohoo. I'm special on GoDaddy. Yeah, and is that what you're doing? Is that what you help people with, You to help them adapt? Oh, I mean, I think I help them in, in different ways, depending on the issue. But just getting back to one of the things that you, you said, which I, I think is such an important point, like the, you know, that, that kind of how we can feel really bad because we're comparing uh, our behind the scenes to other people's highlight reel. And we see that mm. a lot on social media. Oh, it's out of control. And, and that idea that you said, you know, people are going, hey, look how amazing I am. I've got it all together. I'm so, blessed. yeah, hashtag, I know. Hashtag grateful, hashtag. <laughs> Serenity, yeah. <laughs> which you know in itself, uh, it's. Gr- I think gratitude is one of the the best ways to to feel as good as you can feel. Mm. But the truth of it is, I believe, is that we all struggle as human beings. Yeah, and. It's creating a false sense of what it can be like to be that person who goes, oh, my life is so fantastic all the time and I've got it all together or even I don't really want to – some of the very, very well-known motivational speakers who are get really gung-ho, I just (laughs) find it offensive because I think, you know what, you are setting people up for failure. Mm. Why don't you encourage people to have – honest conversations about the struggles so we all feel like we're not alone and I always say you know we're in the same human boat of struggling we're just doing it differently so when I go and I stand up and I do a workshop for some reason people seem to think different times I've got it all together Uh, and I consciously say you know we're talking about these struggles we're talking about these challenges I don't have it together either you know, we're, we're all doing this thing called life and it's not easy. But if we can be open about those challenges together, we can help each other. We can feel less alone and, and know that we are all vulnerable. There seems to be a, a bit of a movement towards what you're talking about as far as um, everybody's in this hell bent on this thing of hap- being happy all the time. So, you know, on social media especially, once again, it, like you were saying, it, the Insta videos going here I am I'm down at Bondi Beach and I'm going to have a, a almond milk smoothie you know like and, and and so there's people out there going well my isn't my life shit yeah but that worries me so much I, re- I it really but, upsets but me you can, no, you can you can't be happy all the time but you can try to move towards acceptance of where you are at that particular time, whether it be happy or sad or yeah. you're having a tough time or not. It's To me, the most important thing is to feel like you've got support somehow mm. and people around you that that are pushing, helping hold you up. Mm. I think we, we really, 
we really need to get off this idea that we have to be happy all the time. Oh, I mean, you yeah. know, part of our podcast is Float Your Boat. It's about, you know, what floats your boat and what mm. makes you joyful and what makes you happy. But in saying that, we're not advocating that you have to be happy all the time because it's not it's not real. Well, it's just not possible because life is full of cycles. Mm. In, in, on any level, on any trajectory, you're full mm. of cycles. Totally. As long as the trajectory is in, in a positive movement, like a positive direction, you will mm. have lows, you will have highs, and you can't have highs all the time. That's just insane. It goes against the laws of nature. Yep. And for us to think that we, I mean, to have this whole industry, that mess, the message, the constant bombardment of messages, like, for example, the idea that it's not okay to be bored. Mm. Like I tell my kids all the time when they say, yeah, I, I'm, I'm bored. Good. Learn to deal with it. Yeah. Good. Because you'll know when exciting times come. Well, you know, I mean, uh, Dulce has to, has to um, promote herself and as, as a consultant. Uh, how do you deal with social media? Like, what do mm. you do? Mm. Well, it's, I think it's a, it's a really hard world now as far as that goes. I and, do, I think so, and I yeah. think, like, just what you're saying, Brett, around, you know, that the person you're talking about, I think that there, it, things have really changed and... I, I'm, I'm no expert with it, but, you know, you hear all these sort of things around, you know, people, their happiness is dependent on how many likes they get for something or mm. other. And That's the attachment, yeah, yeah, I know, and the, mm. the attachment to that engagement. And I know in, at our kind of age group, it's that we're not doing the same. We don't understand we're it. We're not doing the same, same thing, but, yeah, that's right. But I think it's... I mean, to me, all of that is it's it's like the attachment to something that signifies our worth. And if we mm. don't have that from ourselves, within ourselves, then we are going to feel unhappy when we don't get the likes or whatever it is. And look, I've, you know, I, it's, I'm certainly not immune to that. And, you know, I, I struggle with it myself sometimes and think, oh goodness, this social media thing, like how much should I be doing it? And I, I find it, you know, I find it hard to sort of put myself out there different times. And, and I think, oh, you know, what, uh, what I've actually decided for myself is I'm just going to go and meet people you know, meet good people out there in real life and let things unfold that way. Oh, you're, you're doing a bit of face-to-face -face book. Oh, a, a, a bit old-fashioned kind of thing. Face-to-face <laughs> book. It'll make a comeback. Yeah, it's I know. Will. Well, I think people, that's what will have to come back to that because that other world is so empty and it's it doesn't really mean things. I mean, I didn't realise until recently you can buy Facebook likes. Mm. So you can have... Oh, Instagram, you can buy followers. Yes, yeah, so you could have 100,000 people following you, but there's no... There's, there's nobody no, following There's you. nobody. So it's such an empty world. It is. And you know, you send out an invite yeah. to your birthday party and no one shows. Yeah. All your best friends. I know. <laughs> and Brett, can I just make another point what you said? Because I, I, I liked um, sort of that idea of, you know, this, this pursuit of happiness as mm. though, you know, we can be happy 100% of the time. Yeah. And I totally sort of relate to, to what you said there. I think... I think we can be the happiest if we recognise that we're not going to be happy all the time, that as human beings we will, as you said, George, you know, have our down times and our great times, excited, mm. flat times, all those things. And I think the truth of the human experience is that. 
and that we're here to like learn and grow and develop ourselves, but we are not going to always be happy, but we can be grateful for all those times where we do feel mm. that joy and connection mm, yeah. with others and get that support. And, and if we have love in our life in different ways or a special moment, you know, by the, by the water or, you know, if we've got kids that, you know, we, we suddenly connect to them or we have a best friend who shows their love for us. All those things are what true life is about from yes. my perspective. Without yeah. a doubt. Tulsi, look, um, I mean, obviously, we're, 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 we'd like people to, um, you know, to understand, uh, to use your services as much as possible. You're a great girl. Um, I should say that. Is that politically correct? I think you can say it these days. I think it's all right. Yeah. 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 So. And, and you have right. a lot. She's going to, she'll, she'll lecture you about that off air. Oh, no, I won't. I, no, I'm, I'm good with uh, lack of political correctness. You have a lot to, you have a lot to offer. I think anyone that um, would like to... Uh, deal with changes in their life. I mean, how how do you qualify clients? How do you qualify the the, the people that you work with? Mm. Tell us a little bit about that yeah. before we go. Okay. So, I mean, different um, organisations might call me up yep. and get me to come in when they have lots of change going on and yes. things aren't going too well or they might get me in because people are not getting on and, and I can come in and sort them out and do a kind of a... Mediation, mediating kind of process mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, run workshops and all sorts of things from, you know, team stuff to leadership, etc. But I have just uh, started, uh, well, just created a new workshop, which is a public workshop for uh, mums and teen and tween daughters that wow, I'm, cool. yeah, because I just, I've got my own tween daughter and, in fact, she was my inspiration because we were having issues and it's not easy and I was like, oh, my gosh, if this is what I'm going through and I'm supposed to be a, like a communication kind of expert, I can only imagine what other mums and daughters are going to mm. go through. I'm going to do a workshop. So I'm doing that in uh, about three and a half weeks and, uh, yeah, so starting with that. So really focusing on just uh, bringing so mums and daughters touch with you? to connect together. Well, they can look on my website. Yep. They can look on my Facebook page, which is the same name, Lead yeah. Your Own Change. Lead Your Own and, Change, uh, yep. And I've, it's an Eventbrite thing. But, so, yeah, so they can just look it up. Yeah. It's called Lead Teen Talk. Okay. So and communication workshop for for mums and daughters, and I'm gonna I'm planning to do some other ones for other parents, including dads potentially with daughters, and I'm I may be sons, but you know yeah. my experiences with daughters uh, now, and I also would like in the future to do some uh, workshops for couples, and also yeah. for, uh, ones for beyond breaking up, so for women particularly who have gone through uh, a breakup. And I've, I've got personal experience with that myself too. So I feel like, you know, I quite like being able to come to some of these things with my own experience, you know, rather than setting myself up as an expert that mm. I know it all, but more I, I know kind of the vulnerabilities associated with it. I know how challenging it can be and let's work together to Fantastic. find a connection. That's, mm -hmm. that's unreal. Tulsi, it's yeah. been an absolute pleasure and a joy to have you in, hasn't it, George? It has been. Oh, it thank has you. Been. Thank and, uh, you very much. And, and maybe uh, somewhere down the track, you can come back in and tell us some more some more stories about what happened at the tweens, what happened at the. Yeah, I'm guessing. I'm guessing you don't approach your daughter the same way your parents approached you. Is that right? Oh, uh, pretty similar, similar, actually. Well, I, I've come so, up with one of uh, one of the things I'm going to be doing right at the beginning of the workshop that I've already planned. Yeah. I did with my own daughter because I said to her, "Hey, Mirabai, 
that's her name. Mm. I said, you know, I'm feeling like a bit bad at the moment because, you know, you're getting very frustrated with me the way things are. You know, could you tell me five things that you love about me so that I don't feel so bad? And so she said, and so she listed them. And one of them was, she said, well, mum, you know, I like the fact that you're, you know, strict enough to keep me on track, but you're flexible enough to, you know, give me the support and love. And I was like, oh, that's good to know because it's certainly not coming out of your mouth when you're unhappy with me, let me tell you. <laughs> but I thought, well, <laughs> gosh, yeah, it's a whole other world, let me tell you. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I... Uh, thought, you know, that's what I'm going to start the workshop with, getting mums and daughters just to tell each other five things they love about each other and have that connection. And I've sent out details to all schools around the area because I'm doing a first one in North Sydney. And they've come back and been really enthusiastic. And, you know, I had like a, a, you know, quite a, like a a very high level girls school call me up and say, are you okay if we advertise your workshop on our Facebook page? Oh, that's fantastic. So they're, they're excited and they're really interested in it, and uh, I know why because this is really hard this time. Yeah, I, yeah, I, and, I, I would think it would be a very popular yeah. event. And actually, my mum is going to be facilitating with me because, oh, of, yeah, so because she's a facilitator and a counsellor, and she's amazing. So the two of us will do, you know, separate mums and daughters groups, and then bring back bring the mums and daughters together, and wow, and great. and just having, you know, just by the end of it, I I want them to feel more connected and have some strategies to to find their way back to each other when they're far away. Yeah. Wonderful. Now, now on this, the, the last point then. This, uh, yes, the song. The song. So, I, I play, so last night I <laughs> was... Which I... Which I no, I've, my, got, I've, I've got it. I've, I had a bit of a chuckle. Well, no, I've got... I, I, last <laughs> about night was, the choice? Yeah, about the choice. I'm sure. <laughs> what I love that song. Oh. Well, last night I was sitting uh, in front of the television with my wife and... She said, who are you interviewing tomorrow? And I went, oh, shit, I haven't read the bio. And I, I, you know, I knew enough about you. So I thought, oh, I don't need to do that. Then I went, oh, no, the song. And I, I went onto YouTube and I brought the song up. And, and, of course, my wife looked over my shoulder and went, we play that song at the school canteen every Thursday. Uh, every Thursday, <laughs> she knows that. Well, that's her, like, she works a couple of days a week and she's known for bringing in her her song list to the canteen with the ladies and they have a bit of a boogie at the end of the So she likes that song too? She loves the song. I should meet her. Tell us us why you love the title of the song and why. Shaka Khan? Yeah, Shaka Khan, Ain't Nobody. Can you tell me first why you have to laugh at me liking that song? Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of that. <laughs> I dancing in front of the mirror. It. I George, love it. George, not only is George having voice coaching lessons, he's also having dancing lessons. And they're not working, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, OK, so you want me to give my explanation yeah. why I chose that? I... For as, for as long as I can remember since I heard that song, I've always loved that song and I think it just took me to a really happy place. And yep. I, w- I remember when I first heard it, I think, was when I was 18 and I was working in, American, in an American theatre restaurant and we'd have a staff night on Monday nights where we could all get uh, drunk, otherwise we all had to be very well behaved. And so I just remember every Monday night I would hassle the DJ until he played that song and sometimes I'd have to hassle him for like an hour and a half and in the end he'd be so sick of me he'd play it as the last Fantastic. song and then I'd be so happy <laughs> and, uh, and you know, dance around like a maniac. And then I introduced the song to my daughters and so we do like discos with that song. I told you, right? Yeah, I know. I'm a big discoer dancer at home. I love that. 
I haven't been doing enough of it actually. But I don't know what it is about that song. But I, I thought it probably made me seem a bit daggy, but I didn't care because I love it. Well, you're going to have to come to our house because my wife loves dancing, and in fact, JJ's coming over as well. Well, you'll have to come that day and bring your daughters. Yeah, I'd love George that. George will be there with his wife. Hopefully. And my daughters. Oh, daughters. oh really? Yeah, cool. We've got, we got a big dining room so we can move oh, the table nice. after we've had some champagne. As long as you play that song. I'll play that song for you. <laughs> it's, not, it's not one of my favourites. But, uh, uh, but you, you know, I maybe do. you can embrace it. Like Open See, your heart to Shaka Khan. It, it takes me back. I'm a little bit older than you. And it takes me back not to, that much. to my... When I first left school, it was... That era, that's that era of the seventies disco period, yeah. and I had a fro. Really? Because I have really it's hard really to imagine. Curly hair. <laughs> nice. You know, and you I look used... like Ronald McDonald. I, I, I love an afro. And I, used to, and I used to wear big long collared shirts with platform <laughs> shoes. Yeah, really? And, and I used to dance oh. to Sister Sledge and all that sort of stuff. Nice. It is an era that I choose to forget. Oh, is because that... then in the eighties I, I joined a band and I, that was in my past. Yes, right. you had to look yes. cool. Then. Well, I know about that. So, yeah. so hopefully you'll never be interviewed and asked about your past where you don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Thanks so